It's now time for us to have some answers to your questions from last week. And uh, it is always great to have you with us. And we have our little response slip, which makes a noise like this. Excellent, as you tear it off. And if you'd like to ask a question of your own, this is the way you do it. Or just tell me in any way, shape or form you'd like, and I'll try and make a note of it as well. We have a bunch of them today. The first one is this. Is ignoring your parents a sin? Well, it's a sort of a follow-up to last week uh, when I talked about honouring parents. Well, as children, you must honour your parents. That's what God said. Uh, and it's, it's worth noting that it does explicitly, like clearly say, I don't know why the kids have gone out now. I should have uh, answered this before they... <laughs> you have to tell them over dinner just to remind them. Uh, it does explicitly say that children should obey parents. For example, in Ephesians chapter 6, Children, obey your parents because you belong to the Lord, for this is the right thing to do. Honour your father and mother. This is the first commandment with a promise. If you honour your father and mother, things will go well for you and you'll have a long life on the earth. Fathers, do not provoke your children to anger by the way you treat them. Rather, bring them up with the discipline and instruction that comes from the Lord. I read that out because can you see that there's two bits to it? It's saying, kids, obey parents. Fathers, don't squash them. Don't exasperate them. Don't lead them to anger. And the two are together there. Uh, a little bit before that, it talked about husbands and wives, a similar kind of relationship in that sort of, I mean, di not different fathers and children, but, but a, but a complementary sort of way of, of having different roles, but still having equ uh, being equal in God's sight. And so in this case, we see that children should obey their parents and fathers should not provoke their children to anger by the way they're treated. Question two, is the book called Acts or is it called Acts of the Apostles? Well, it's called just Acts, but in some places it's also called Acts of the Apostles. It, it doesn't matter too much. The, we don't have the name of the book attached to the book itself. It's kind of what's been given as a title to it a little bit later on in history. Uh, but either way, we see it is a, a book of acts of things, and typically it's known as Acts of the Apostles. The next question says, could it be called Acts of the Holy Spirit or Acts of the Early Church? Um, I suppose it could, couldn't it? it? Certainly as the Holy Spirit comes in chapter 2, which we'll look at today, we see all these things happen. And is it the Acts of the Early Church? Well, I suppose it probably is. At uh, the end of the day, there's a lot of action in the book of Acts. And uh, whatever you want to call it, the Acts of this or that, it is the Acts, certainly, of our Lord Jesus, present by his Spirit, sent by his Father, who does amazing things to see the launch of the church. Question four, what makes the apostles so special? Well, in a sense, they're no different to you or me. They, they know Jesus. And if you know Jesus, you know Jesus just like they did. There was something special, though, about being one of the original apostles. And you remember last week that they got down to 11 because Judas, well, you know what happened to Judas, and they needed to replace him. But there were only two to choose from. And they had to be two people who were with Jesus from the beginning of his ministry. And they had to be chosen by Jesus. So Jesus would actually say, hey, you, come follow me. That's what made them so special. And it was really important in the launch of the church in this way, that they were a bunch of people, 12 in fact, who could stand as a band of men and say, we saw it with our own eyes. It was true. We witnessed to it. Jesus called us and now he has sent us. And that's what makes their ministry so special. Uh, 
There's kind of a 13th apostle in a sense, and that is the apostle Paul, because he got to see Jesus as well, and he was called by Jesus. And we're going to get, spoiler alert, but we'll get to him in a, a little while longer in the book of Acts. But what makes them so special is they were chosen by Jesus and they witnessed his ministry. Question five, how can Jesus be returning soon if the good news has not yet been preached to all nations? Well, this is sort of a reference, I think, to Mark chapter 13, verse 10, which says, For the good news must first be preached to all nations. Uh, some people will say, well, let's do a little bit of an analysis of all the different nations around the world, all the different people groups, every different language that is spoken. And we'll write them down from top to bottom. And once we can tick them all off, we know that Jesus is ready to come back. Now, that's one possible way we could refer to it. Uh, we could also say that all nations is sort of all parts of the world. We could also see it as being referring to going to all the ends of the earth, all the nations, so that, that it no longer is just stuck with the Jews, but it is now to the Gentiles, which is what we're actually going to see, what we, what we saw last week, actually, as we had those concentric circles. Remember that the gospel will go first to those in Jerusalem, and then Judea, and then Samaria, and then all the earth. So in a sense, it's gone to all the earth by the end of the book of Acts, because there they are in Rome. But it's even come to Australia. And so whether or not Jesus means every single individual people group, or whether he's talking about the fact that it's spread over the whole globe, either way, we know Jesus is coming back soon, and let's keep praying. It's very, very soon. Question six, did Judas go to hell? Uh, yes, that's what we read in chapter one. Uh, he made the mistake, the terrible decision. He was conscious of his decision to say, I'm going to betray our, his Lord and Saviour, and hand him over to be killed. And in doing so, he rejected him as king. And we read in the Bible that he was, uh, was punished by going to hell. And we read that in, chapter, in the chapter that we looked at already, that he went to the place of the dead, that he went to hell. Question seven. Finally, should we pray to the Holy Spirit? I had to do a special project in fourth year more college. And uh, it was a sort of fourth year, sort of the nerdy year uh, where you do your own sort of a bit like an honours year of uh, theological training. And uh, I did a particular subject called Trinitarian Theology, which was just uber nerdy. And uh, we, we had to choose a, a topic to do a, a paper on. And I chose to do Trinitarian View of Prayer. So I did a little bit of research on this. Uh, a while ago, uh, you didn't need to be able to be that nerdy to do it. I think you, you'd be able to all work this out yourself very easily. First thing you do is you work out, in the Bible, did they pray to the Holy Spirit? I don't think so. And so if in the Bible they don't specifically pray to the Holy Spirit, can we or should we pray today? Well, we once asked this of one of our lecturers, uh, Peter Jensen, uh, some of you know of him, and he said, well, in the prayer book, there's a prayer to the Holy Spirit, and if it's in the prayer book, then that's good enough for him. He was being a little bit facetious, but uh, I think there is a place for us, uh, uh, perhaps rarely at times, to be able to pray to the Holy Spirit, because he is God. He is a person, three persons, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, and I think we can pray to the Holy Spirit, and there are some songs we even sing that address the Holy Spirit. Having said that, I think that if we do, it is a rare thing to do, because generally what we, read, what we read in the Bible is we pray to the Father in the name of the Son, in the power of the Holy Spirit. I think that's the normal way for us to pray. But I think there is also a place where we can, from time to time, uh, because we've 
have the Holy Spirit revealed to us as a person, a he, that we can in fact pray to him. But we wouldn't ask him to do something that's not part of his job description. And his main job description is to glorify Jesus, to have Jesus the one that we talk about all the time. And given that, I reckon we're pretty much going to be speaking to Jesus uh, as our main focus who brings our prayers to the Father. Oh, great question. Thank you. There are more to come, I'm sure.